Thanks for tuning in. Ham Talk Live will be on the air shortly. Please stand by. This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you by Tower Electronics. For connectors, cables, and more, call 920-435-2973 or visit pl-259.com. And by ICOM. Heard it? Worked it? Logged it. Visit www.icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information about ICOM radios. It's Ham Radio. Hey, good evening, everyone. It's time for Ham Talk Live, episode number 197. Big changes coming to the National Contest Journal, recorded live on Thursday, January 23rd, 2020. I'm your host, Neil Rapp, WB9VPG. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Ham Talk Live. Tonight, we're joined by my good friend, Dr. Scott Wright. K0MD, the editor of the National Contest Journal, and we'll take your calls live in just a few minutes. Last week, Michael Colley, W4MCA, was here to talk about the Orlando Hamcation. If you missed that, you can listen anytime at hamtalklive.com or your favorite podcast app or YouTube, or catch the rebroadcast on WTWW. 5085 a.m. Saturday evenings at about 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Well, this is episode 197, and 200 will be here before you know it. Looks like it's going to land on February 20th. So be sure to tune in that night. We're going to have uh, some giveaways. In fact, I just got a box from ICOM today. So uh, we've got some uh, giveaways planned from ICOM. I'm going to pick up uh, some prizes from Tower Electronics this weekend over at uh, Collinsville at Winterfest. And LDG Electronics is sending uh, a tuner. So we're going to give away uh, several things. And so you need to listen live and and call in and win. Um, So February 20th, keep that on your calendar and maybe you too can win. So get your questions ready to go. If you're listening to us live on Thursday night, you'll have a chance to give us a call. Uh, after we talk to Scott for a little while, we'll announce the phone number once again to call, and that number will be 812-638-4261. That's 812-NET-HAM-1. You can also send your question via Twitter. The Twitter handle is at HamTalkLive. I'll be checking that throughout the evening. And, of course, if you're on Spreaker, you can uh, type into the comments there. That'll pop up on the screen as well. So, um, again, keep that number handy, 812-638-4261, and uh, you can give us a call. So I'll be back with Scott right after this word from Tower Electronics right here on Ham Talk Live. Thank you for a lovely dinner. Aren't you going to ask me in to solder some PL259s? Well, I do have some from Tower Electronics. How can I refuse? Consider the sophisticated quality of PL259s from Tower Electronics. From soldering supplies to adapters, connectors to cables, and all types of connectors, Tower Electronics has the parts you're looking for. Well? Just one more connector? You know I love your PL259s. Then by all means, take some with you. Don't be caught without PL259s. Visit Tower Electronics at a ham fest near you. Or visit them online anytime at pl-259.com. Or call 920-435-2973. They also have ham sticks, mobile antennas, and meters too. See the whole catalog. Go to pl-259.com. Tower Electronics, the ham's dime store since 1978. 
This portion of the show, sponsored by our mystery sponsor, a product so good they are paying us not to advertise it on this program. You're listening to Ham Talk Live with Neil Rapp. Thanks to Scott and Jill from Tower Electronics for sponsoring the show tonight. They help bring you Ham Talk Live each and every week. They will be at Arcadia, Florida this weekend on the 25th. They'll also be in Collinsville, Illinois at Winterfest over by St. Louis. And I look forward to seeing Jill over there. So um, I'll be over there um, doing some... uh, youth on the air promotion and we'll be um, giving a couple of little lightning talks and then uh, sterling n0 ssc and i will be uh, conducting the youth forum at noon over there so if you get a chance stop by and stop by tower electronics uh, and of course they'll be at hamcation as well Jan- or uh, february 7th 8th and 9th but you can visit them anytime at pl-259.com Joining me tonight is Dr. Scott Wright, K0MD. He is the editor of the National Contest Journal from Rochester, Minnesota. Scott works for the Mayo Clinic teaching cardiology, which often takes him abroad, where his ham radio habit can go with him. Scott is an excellent contester and has been on several de-expeditions. And we met when we were kids in Louisville, Kentucky, taking a test in front of the FCC examiner. So... Uh, he's in his third year now as the editor of NCJ and has added some great content to the bi-monthly publication from ARRL. And uh, we're going to talk about some um, some new things that uh, are coming to NCJ yet this year. And he is a graduate of the University of Kentucky. So, so Scott, before, before I let you talk, we have to play the UK fight song. So here we go. Except I'll probably get nailed for a copyright violation. It's probably a, a violation. But Scott, welcome back to Ham Talk Live. Thank you, Neil. Should, it's a pleasure. Should we to do be... the cats cheer? I don't remember that. You know, the C A T S Cats, Cats, Cats. Well, this year the season is not as exciting as it could be because of the way the team's playing. They're doing okay, but uh, I'm afraid Coach Cal may have uh uh Shall we say a health incident if they continue to play? uh, (laughs) He may need your cardiology services. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) You may need someone's services. Uh, uh, But, you know, it's it's always a bad year for Kentucky fans unless the Wildcats are in the final four. I hate to say it, but that's sort of the expectation. You know, you're you're what number 18 in the country and, you know, won most of your games, and it's a bad year. Yeah. Exactly. When we get to Sweet 16, it's a dismal season. Oh, so true. Great to be on with you. Congratulations on coming close to the 200th episode. I'm looking forward to that show. I'm hoping I can win a PL259 from Tower Electronics, but I know those will be in high demand. And I do remember those days before the FCC examiner in Louisville. Those were scary times, but uh, we got through that and... As they say, a lot of water has gone down the Ohio River since that time. <laughs> that is true. And, I, I, you know, Jerry Freebo turned out to be a really good friend. But at the time, he was one of the scariest people I think I ever met. He was that, that examiner. And, I mean, he, 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 he didn't crack a smile. No. They were, they were all serious. They were the G-men of those days. Uh, but... Let's just say that uh, one of the great changes in ham radio is the volunteer examiner program. Yes, most definitely. Well, we're, we're, we've got you here tonight to talk about NCJ, so we'll uh, we'll get to that. So, how how's NCJ going? This is what year three for you? year three. It's going by uh, quickly in some respects. It's been a fun project. It, the journal's going well. We have a Reasonably solid subscriber base of almost 2,000 paid subscriptions. It's The subscriber base falls every year by 
oh, 10 to 30 subscribers, unfortunately, as contesters uh, fail to renew, largely because they become silent keys or they go QRT in the nursing home. Um, I'm, I'm really pleased with the last several years, Neil. Uh, you and others have enriched the content dramatically. We made an intentional focus when I became editor to uh, bring you on board as the contributing editor for uh, next-gen contesters. That's had a real impact. We've had a number of next-gen contesters on the cover, and uh, you know we'll continue to promote uh, uh, new contesters, whether they be new at age 12 or new at age uh, 82. We'll, we'll welcome all new ones. Um, the journal's got some new features as well. Uh, we have uh, sort of new technology now with Ned Stearns that, that's uh, started earlier uh, last year, and Ned's doing a marvelous job. He followed on the steps of uh, Mark Aker, K6UFO, who did uh, remote contesting for about a year and then decided that uh, he'd really written all that he could and wanted to take a break and just go back to managing the uh, RIDI Sprint, uh, I'm sorry, the NAQP RIDI um, full-time, so he's doing that. And the, the solid, you know, contributing editors, uh, including the deputy editor, Fred Reganetter, K4IU, and all of those who write every every issue. I can't name them all because I might forget someone and I don't want to insult anyone, but they all contribute greatly in the, the readership. Uh, it's nice to hear from the readership. So the feedback is always welcome. And uh, I think based on the feedback I'm getting and that others are getting that uh, the, the contest community at large is still appreciating what NCJ is doing. Well, what are your biggest challenges with the journal, except for getting the next-gen contester's editor to submit his articles on time? Well, I have a secret weapon for that individual contributing editor. I call Julie, and she makes sure he gets them out. Right. <laughs> uh, the biggest challenge as editor is the time. Um, it's 20 to 40 hours per issue of my own time, and there are times and months that I'm extremely busy with work and my research activities, and uh, it can be stressful. I've had to take time out of contesting to do the journal, which I regret, but it's the only way to make the equation balance. Um, sometimes it gets a little scary when you don't have any new content, but the, uh, the contest community writ large has always come through for me. Um, almost everyone's written an article that I've asked. I've got a couple uh, of hams who have some t- potentially tremendous articles, but they can't seem to get over writer's block, and I I regret that because I, I've heard them speak at Contest U and other places, and I know what they have to say is so meaningful. Um, and um, the other hard part really is that once everyone sends me their material, I have a really tight timeline of about 10 days, sometimes five days, to get it all to the managing editor so that he has adequate time to write it, format it, get it to the headquarters in Newington so the uh, professionals there, like Matty Weinberg and others, can get it formatted and then sent to the printer uh, believe it or not, uh, you know we want the uh, we, we need a long timeline for this. We we ask you and the other contributing editors to get the material to me by the tenth of the month, two months ahead of the print date. So uh, January tenth for the March issue, and uh, Rick Lindquist will finish his editing probably around the uh, end of the month, and then the uh, formatting editors in Newington really have about five or ten days at most to finish it all up. So they're constantly laying it out, working on it. Many times they will contact us and say we're five pages over who can we cut and then of course that leads to some disappointed feelings by the writers but they've been good sports and understand and um, we've had plenty of content generally and uh, for example the march issue had 70 percent of its content already created by uh, overflow from january Uh, but the may journal doesn't have any content so if you're out there and you want to write an article for ncj and be published in the world's premier radio sport journal Send your ideas to me or to K4IU, and we'll uh, vet them and get back to you and uh, help you get an article together. That's been the hard part and the tough part, I think, the biggest challenges. Yeah, so we just finished up, uh, well, or I just finished up the March contribution, and I know uh, you've got a few of those kind of coming in here, but I was just thinking, the next one is May. That's Dayton. Right, and it's due in March, right before your spring break. Yeah, so you know, here here we are in January, and we're already thinking, okay, we got to write an article that's going to come out right before Hamvention. So, yes, that that, that I, lead time is is uh, it creeps up on you. It sure it does. Really does. 
Well, what are some of those highlights of being an editor that, you know, I'm sure you, you had a pretty good idea what to expect when, when you came on board, but what are some of the unexpected things that, uh, that have come up along the way? Neil, that's a really good question. Uh, probably the opportunity to meet so many new people who are touched by NCJ. I've said for many years to the staff in Newington, you may think you're putting out a QST, putting out QST, a journal simply about ham radio, but for a busy, hardworking, sometimes stressed professional like me, it's a wonderful outlet to relax and to, uh, round out my life and to uh, give me something to enjoy so that I could do my day job better. And NCJ, I guess, touches the same people in the same way and, and offers them that. It inspires them. People will write and say, I'm so happy to see the contest scores in this issue because I saw my call sign and that means so much to me. And just the goodwill of the contest community. Uh, Fred uh, is uh, just a wonderful deputy editor we were traveling back from visalia together and he was enjoying introducing me as the editor to all the contesters who got on the flight out of fresno who uh, recognized his call sign because he's so active in the cw test every week and then he would introduce them to me and you know they uh, they'd never met an ed- a journal editor before whether it was qst ncj whatever or didn't think they had and uh, that was that was really cool to see who the journal touches and how much it means to people um, and I also think, Neil, that the opportunity to create new content for the contest community is a great privilege. You've been a part of that. Uh, many of the individuals you work with at K9SOU, as well as at uh, the Indiana University radio station, the ham radio station, and your now Yoda team, including uh, CE2LR in Chile and Bryant, KV5HVO, have all contributed, Marty as well. Uh, so we've been able to get new content for next gen, as well as uh, trying to uh, help individuals who may live what what we call in landlocked situations in a small city lot or have to go to a park to contest. We we're creating content that makes it able for them to understand they contribute equally to contesting. Not everyone can be like K9CT or K3LR and have uh, multiple towers and stacked yogis. That in fact most contesters are not in it to win. They're in it to make a few contacts, have a few hours of enjoyment, and maybe work some new DX. So that's really been enjoyable to create new content and create another vision for another expanded vision of what contesting can be beyond the traditional thoughts of, you know, CQ worldwide, DX to also what can it be for city dwellers and younger hams. Well, I know one of the things that's, that's been on your mind for quite a while and, and, We've, we've talked about it before is getting a digital version of ncj going and and i know you asked for that and and there was some time when we thought it wasn't going to happen and now it is going to happen and so what prompted you to ask for this and and get ncj in a digital format that's a really insightful question and i really appreciate you asking me that because I do a lot of work with journals. I'm an associate editor of one of the most widely circulated medical journals in the world. Uh, I've been reading medical journals for 30 years and reading them digitally for 15 to 20. And uh, many years before I became editor of NCJ, I had conversations with Dave Sumner asking if QST could be digital or be stored digitally. I enjoyed reading the print version, but I wanted to be able to access QST from anywhere I was in the world and pull an article up and read it, not have to carry 10 magazines with me. The big driver is, Neil, that the publishing world is going digital. Ham radio contesters will be the last group to ever be fully digital. We will (laughs) drag them kicking and screaming into the 21st century because they they want the print. Most of them want the print. I, I understand that, and I respect that. I like to read printed newspapers, but it's impractical, largely. So I have learned to read journals and newspapers on 24-inch monitors and to synthesize the material. And almost all the medical journals that I read are now digital. Uh, they make print versions, but those get tossed. And uh, I've even offered to double my dues to my cardiology groups that I belong to if they will quit sending me the printed journals because they really are taking a lot of effort to recycle and, uh, and to be a good environmental steward. 
So the printing world is going digital. Even the journal I'm an associate editor on, we've been told you're to be prepared to go fully digital in just a few years. Secondly, I think NCJ should be a worldwide resource. I still believe it's the premier journal of radio sport globally. But we cannot sell subscriptions overseas because it's outrageously expensive. We're talking over $100 typically for someone in Europe or South America to subscribe and then have it delivered by mail. And a digital subscription, really, they can download it and look at it and even print it out on their own paper uh, for nothing more than what it would cost to uh, just have the print subscription in the United States. And finally, I think NCJ should be the number one resource that contesters of all skill sets and skill levels go to for material. And I'd like to broaden the content of NCJ even more. I'd like to have it good for lifelong learning. I'd like to see NCJ offer beginning contesters a lot of practical tips and skill sets to and how to learn and understand things more in depth, to be a forum for you to mentor people who want to bring young people into contesting, for groups like the Nashua Amateur Radio Society to be a part of, uh, Fred and his wife and their team in New Hampshire to talk about how you get all kinds of people active into contesting. And to be able to do that, we just can't, there's just not enough money in, in, in ham radio, let alone in the entirety of the United States, to print all of that material every month or every other month. And so we can easily expand our focus and content and offer more if we do it digitally because it's just the cost of editing and formatting to make it digital versus the cost of printing it. So those are the three drivers. Publishing world's moving to be digital. The desire to see NCJ read widely in the world and have worldwide contributors like we have from South America now with CE3CT. And then a need to be able to push more content out to help people on a just-in-time basis so that the web is the ideal place for that. So those were the three reasons that I started advocating for a digital NCJ, and I began that soon after I was made editor. And I had an agreement with Barry Shelley, who was the former CEO and now the current CEO of the ARRL, to come to Newington and talk with him about it and to pitch the idea. And Barry, as you know, was the CFO for the ARRL for many years, so he knows where every penny is buried in the league. And he's a good steward for ham radio. He does his best to free up every available resource to promote the hobby. And uh, I contacted Howard Mickle in the spring, in the early spring in March of his first term, his, his only term as CEO, and asked if we could have a discussion, sit down and have a discussion that, that Fred and I would pay our own ways and come to Newington to meet. And uh, Howard declined, instead commissioned a survey uh, that Steve Ford managed to then survey people who have recently turned in a contest score to the ARRL. And based upon the survey results, Howard felt there was not a business case for a digital NCJ, so he turned us down in, uh, in the spring of last year uh, because he was concerned that the subscriber base was going to continue to dwindle, that there was not widespread support. It was about 50-50, frankly. It was 45 in favor, 55 said they would not pay extra, 45% said they would pay for a digital version. And he felt that that was just too risky given the precarious nature of ARRL finances. So Howard declined and we had to live with that situation. And uh, ultimately, Steve Ford, in his very kind and insightful way, brokered a compromise that we could potentially put the PDF of NCJ on the web and then have figure out a way with IT security to let current subscribers access that. But before we could get league resources dedicated to develop the IT pathway, um, Howard and his executive team at Newington had decided that the ARRL needed to enhance the value to membership for the $49 a year of dues. And they could do that by allowing access to QST on the air, QEX and NCJ as digital subscriptions to any league member. And so much to my surprise, I learned in December from Steve that Howard had proposed that we go forward with a digital NCJ and a digital QEX. Uh, I really credit N2RJ, Rhea Jiram, for working behind the scenes as a director. I'm sure she uh, built a coalition of our directors for the league to support this. Uh, and, um, I think just time and uh, common sense prevailed, and they finally saw the value equation of this. And uh, I credit the staff at Newington with uh, uh, making uh, making the case su successfully with Howard that I was unable to make on email. 
Well, we're looking forward to that happening. <clears throat> and uh, do you have a projected uh, timeline for that to, to take place? I do. I do. Do you have a drum roll? Um, I don't. Okay. I well, have, we can but point. I don't. I, I, I've got an electric shock. Oh, let's not do that. We don't want any oh, cats okay. or humans injured in this broadcast. Okay. Uh, I'm told that we can, we, issue, can, we can give you applause afterwards. How's that? Okay. Uh, you know, okay. I can always Brrr. say Balfour. Yeah, yeah, you can say. Yep, yeah, oh, you said it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, we think the May-June issue will be the first issue that, that comes as digital. So for the current subscriber base, thank you for subscribing. Please keep it up. Uh, you will also have access to a digital NCJ, we think, in May. And to all ARRL members who don't subscribe, you can have access to the digital version in May, likely. And to anyone who would like access to NCJ, who might be listening from Europe, South America, Asia, or even Bouvet, you can subscribe and join the ARRL for $49 a year and have access to all of the journals, the flagship journal QST, as well as the other flagship journal, NCJ, and then, of course, QEX and On the Air. All right. Well, sounds great, but it's time for a break. So we're going to take a break, and uh, we're going to come back with Scott and take your questions right after this word from ICOM America right here on Ham Talk Live. New year, new savings. Bring in the new year loud and clear with some of ICOM's most innovative products. Check out the website for current promotions on ICOM's IC7610, 7300, and 9700. Start the new year off with the high-performance IC7610. It's a direct sampling transceiver that will change the world's definition of a software-defined radio. It has the ability to pick out the faintest of signals, even in the presence of stronger adjacent ones. With RF direct sampling, 110 dB RMDR, independent dual receiver, and dual digicel. With the IC7300, ICOM is changing the way entry-level HF is designed. This high-performance, innovative HF transceiver has a compact design that will far exceed your expectations. RF direct sampling, 15 discrete bandpass filters, a large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time spectrum scope, and an SD memory card slot. The IC9700 was built with the VHF-UHF weak signal operator in mind with faster processors, higher input gain, higher display resolution, and a cleaner signal. ICOM's IC9700 is the pinnacle of perfection. A 4.3-inch color touchscreen, dual watch operation, and full duplex operation in satellite mode. Real-time high-speed spectrum scope and waterfall display. Voice recording and playback function with the SD memory card. And it supports CW, AM, sideband, FM, RIDI, and D-Star DV and DD modes. Visit www.icomamerica.com amateur for more information on ICOM radios. Join the conversation. Give us a call at 812-NET-HAM-1. That's 812-638-4261. Now, here's more Ham Talk Live. Ham Talk Live with Neil Rapp. ICOMAmerica.com slash amateur. Make sure you check that out. ICOM helps bring Ham Talk Live your way each and every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Right here at HamTalkLive.com. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. And it's time now for your calls. So if you have a question for Scott, give us a call right now at 812-NET. Ham one. That's eight one two six three eight 
888-346-4261. Or you can tweet us at HamTalkLive. Several have. We'll get to those here in just a second. And if you're listening to us on WTWW or on the podcast version, uh, you won't be able to reach us because we're live on Thursday night. So I'm afraid you won't be able to... uh, to reach us on the phone here. But again, the number 812-638-4261. Have several tweets here. First of all, John N0JSD says, can't wait to hear what Scott and Neil got in store for this episode. And tomorrow is my birthday. Happy birthday, John. So happy birthday, John. Look forward to working in the next CW contest, John. We need you on the air. I heard you had a little rig trouble with the uh, Yoda event. Hopefully that's gotten fixed. Yeah, we were hoping he'd uh, get in on Yoda month, but uh, had some rig trouble. But hopefully he'll uh, be on for the next one. Uh, let's see. We also have some tweets from Jim, K5ND. Says kudos to uh, some guy named Neil. Um, on next gen contesters and Scott's wisdom in adding me into the editorial mix. So, wow. Okay. Well, thank you, Hi, Jim. Jim. It's so nice to hear from you. And I want to commend your listeners to look at some of Jim's articles in NCJ on being a rover station for VHF contesting. Jim's an accomplished ham contester, mentor, leader with the Boy Scouts and others, but took time to write for NCJ and We're putting his articles on the website so that people can have access to them going forward. Jim, thank you for writing and for all you do to help promote uh, more activity on the air across all age ranges and spectrums. Absolutely. Jim's got an incredible rover set up, and it's impressive. And I I started asking him questions the other day. I'm like, okay, I got to do something. Uh, I got, I got to get something figured out on satellite. And, and he was also helping me with, uh, some, some of the youth on the air stuff. So Jim, thank you so much for, uh, for all your help and all that you contribute here. And he also says kudos to, to the great additions on VHF contesting and, uh, also says great insight on the digital editions, broaden the reach and open up to more content at limited additional costs. So great work, Scott. So Good job. And I appreciate Jim saying that. And I want to commend my deputy editor, Fred Reganetter, K4IU, for bringing the message to me from the Huntsville Hamfest group in particular, who thanked us for adding some additional VHF material and said they wanted to see more. So we have intentionally covered VHF contesting more in NCJ in the last year or two than probably the last 20 years saw, because we have been missing a real opportunity to include a large segment of contesters, and uh, we're going to continue to emphasize VHF contesting. And Jim, if you have some suggestions for potential articles by colleagues and friends, please send them to me because we May and June's the time, really a perfect time to put in some more uh, articles about how to get on for the June VHF contest. So, uh, and if any of your listeners, Neil, have thoughts or ideas, please contact me uh, k zero mike delta at awrl.net. And uh, we will be glad to uh, consider those ideas and try to get articles together. Sounds like a good idea. And you can also give us a call right now at 812-638-4261, 812-NET-HAM-1. If you have a question or a comment to add here about the National Contest Journal with Dr. Scott Wright, K0MD, the editor of NCJ. We've got one more uh, tweet here for you from David N4YHC. Uh, says, please make sure you keep a print copy option for now. While the online magazines can be handy, it's a lot easier for me anyway to read a paper magazine uh, while riding on airplanes and cars and also sets a better example for our children when we're teaching keeping that screen time limited. So... You want to respond well, thank to that? You very much, David, it's nice to hear from you and Union, Kentucky. Um, as you probably can tell, I'm a native Kentuckian. I used to uh, have a QTH about 150 miles east of where you are, but uh, the propagation is so good in uh, the purchase region where you are, and it's nice to work you in contest. David, I completely agree. I find it easier to read the print versions when I'm traveling without Wi Fi access and 
going forward, we will continue to have a print edition of NCJ as long as the subscriber base is able to maintain the cost or the ARRL will subsidize the cost. Uh, there are no plans at this time to discontinue the print edition. Uh, I can't commit to that being the case going forward 20 years, but I don't think in the short term we're going to have any trouble with that. Uh, and maybe, just maybe, we'll have enough uptick from the digital NCJ bringing new league members in that the ARRL will make a commitment to keep it going out in a paper edition as one option for membership. We'll, we'll know more, I think, as a new CEO comes on board to see what his or her vision is for maybe offering more member benefits, including a print to NCJ. Yeah, there's always that feel of the print copy, but then there's the convenience of the digital copy, and, and I think, you know, it, it's kind of split down the middle which one people prefer, and um, I, I kind of like the digital because I can search it and I can, you know, go back in the archives and find stuff easier, but, you know, there's also something about you know, holding a, a script in your hand, you know, holding the paper. And uh, so for right now, there's both available. Well, John says uh, what happened to the rig, it was a static discharge in the rig. Doesn't know what happened, but he's getting a new antenna soon and an amplifier. And um, he's still got his portable set up for now. So he's still waiting on uh, on the rig, but... Uh, at least he's got his portable set up. So we look forward to hearing you on the air with your main rig soon. 812-638-4261 is the phone number if you'd like to chime in tonight. This is your chance to do that. That's uh, that's what the show is, is about, is taking your questions and comments. So give us a call, 812-638-4261. Or you can tweet us. It's at Ham Talk Live. Um, and if you're listening on Spreaker, you can uh, comment. And I'll, I'll get that on the screen here as well. Well, while we're waiting uh, for calls to come in and tweets to come in, uh, Scott, let's talk a little bit about some of the trends in contesting right now. What are, what are some of the current trends in contesting? Neil, I'm um, I'm delighted to talk about that. Uh, contesting in the United States is somewhat different than in Europe in this regard. Europe has seen a resurgence of new contesters who are, shall we say, 30 to 50 years of age, uh, individuals who probably didn't have access to electronics and uh, just the elegance and beauty of uh HF radio that we grew up accustomed to and really blessed to have because of living in the United States with its freedom and economic uh, liberty. And so now they're where we were maybe 20 years ago. And so they have active contest clubs and attracting a lot of youth. You know that from you go to work and uh, watching the young people. Whereas in the U.S., uh, the younger people with ex- with notable exceptions – including uh, some that we've mentioned tonight and some who have tweeted in, uh, are more interested in uh, digital communication via GHF with the smartphone. Uh, Contesting in the U.S., uh, we know that contesters are largely older than than average hams. Uh, The modal distribution of contesters uh, is, well... The two largest groups are in their 70 to 79-year bracket and 60 to 69-year bracket. I received an interesting figure tonight from Dr. Frank Howell from Mississippi, who's working on a demographic article for NCJ and a strategy to help us convince the mature contesting community that we have to reach out to even younger adults, meaning 50 to 60-year-olds, to get them in. Because compared to the population at large, contesters are are three to four times more likely to be in their 60s or 70s than the population would predict. And the danger of that is is that as they get older and need to move into housing situations where it's difficult to have a tower and a radio or an antenna, they are often going off the air. And unless something dramatically changes in, in life expectancy, those who are 70, 75 may not be on the air for ten, more than 10 more years. 
So we're watching at, the contesting itself is at risk in the U.S. unless we can get newer newer hams and sort of younger hams, meaning under sixty year olds, into contesting. Uh, Neil, you and I are relatively young compared to the average contester age, and we both have been hams over forty years. I think you're going to have your forty fifth anniversary as a ham very shortly, uh, yeah. and I will too. Um, so I, I really would like to see us ask. I think there are two groups of individuals that we ought to attract into contesting on top of the youth that you're working in Tim Duffy and Bryant and Marty and others are working to draw in. And those are recent retirees who uh, have, have left the workforce and now have time on their hands and are looking for something meaningful to do. And ham radio is a, is a wonderful hobby. Uh, it can be done indoors or outdoors. It can be done in all seasons. It requires you to mentally think through issues. And so it helps you to grow. And I think it keeps you from maybe getting dementia a little bit uh, uh, because you're using your brain more and uh, it helps you to have social connections and to stay connected. And then I think we also should target the 40 to 55-year-olds who have completed college and graduate school and are well-established in careers and have children who are either teenagers or in college. And it's really a well-known fact that once children hit the teenage years, they suddenly stop talking to their parents (laughs) <laughs> and they start going to communication with their classmates via Instagram and WhatsApp and Snapchat and all of those uh, wonderful tools. But the, the face-to-face conversations go away, and uh, most spouses need uh, need their other spouse to take a break periodically from having conversations constantly and probably wouldn't mind if they were on CW or Sideband or Ready or FT8 a few hours a week. And so I think there are a lot of people your age, my age, even Fred's age, who would always wanted to be ham operator, but never had time or energy, and now they have time and resources. They just don't know how. And I think we should take Ward Silver's advice and have some open houses and invite friends over for a tour of the shack and and uh, reintroduce them to ham radio. It's not it's not the way it was, Neil, when we were young. Uh, the radios are largely solid state now. I don't have to load and dip my HW one hundred one anymore. <laughs> And uh, some Very people true. like Fred can even copy signals below the noise with FT8. I haven't graduated to that degree of sophistication. I'm still a CW, RIDI, and sideband operator. But, uh, boy, it's contesting in some respects has never seen days as good as they are now. Technology have, have, has made receivers and transmitters and antennas better than ever. So you can talk further with less power on a smaller antenna or on a smaller lot, shall we say, using something like uh, – the new stepper beams that look like a butterfly or you can put up wires and trees as K4IU does and talk around the world and all the bands. Uh, so you don't have to have rotating tower like I have to be successful as a contester. You can get by with a tree and a wire or uh, even a t- we have a ham operator in town, Mark Kelm, who puts up a temporary loop and can make a lot of contacts, digital and sideband, has a wonderful time, fun time contesting. I think Mark would be a wonderful NCJ or QST story because he's a gentleman who retired from the professional printing world as a, as a business executive from a local newspaper and then picked up ham radio as a hobby and uh, really enjoys it. And uh, he makes time for everything, and ham radio fits into that time. And uh, there used to be a poster, right, that said ham radio is not a hobby, it's a way of life, and we need to break that myth. It really is a hobby. It's not a way of life for most people. And uh, you can you can balance your family and your grandchildren and your work and also have fun with the hobby well we've got a caller that's been uh, patiently waiting so let's uh go to the caller welcome to ham talk live hi neil and scott this is dan w5 dnt down in texas and uh i've got a uh, a question for you scott really two questions we've all recently heard about howard mickle's departure from the arl following this weekend's board meeting What's the impact of this change on your work, and what are your dreams for a post-Howard Mickle future for the ARRL? Hello, Dan. It's nice to hear from you. And uh, Dan is really an accomplished HF operator and DXer in Texas and uh, someone I greatly respect. So really thank you for the call and question, Dan. As you can probably imagine, uh, Howard and I did not see eye to eye on how contesting and the 
printing of the NCJ should go, uh, but I respected his position and didn't really have a place to turn. And I really never felt that he understood contesting as well as an ARRL CEO should because I watched a YouTube video of Howard in Chattanooga where he talked about the need to develop a distinct journal for radio sport on top of the journals that we have for contesting and experimentation. And it made me really worry that maybe Howard didn't understand contesting very well. Dan, I, I think an ARRL CEO should be a ham's ham. Maybe I'm spoiled and have such admiration for Dave Sumner, but Dave Sumner was a good executive and he was on the air. You could work him in contests and he was on VHF as well. And I sure would like to see a CEO who understands contesting, maybe does some contesting, does some HF operations as well as two-meter income, maybe satellite work. I know in the last round of interviews, they had a very had a number of outstanding applicants, one in particular who sort of checks all those boxes. And I talked with him at Dayton a little bit about contesting. He had gotten word that I had asked about a digital NCJ and had shared with me that he, had he been named CEO, he was going to uh, make a digital NCJ part of the membership benefits, which uh, turns out that Howard and the team in Newington decided to do. Uh, so maybe they heard about his idea and decided to run with it. So I think we have a real opportunity to put a ham operator back in the seat in Newington who can uh, relate to the average ham who's on the air and can understand where the hobby is. In my field of medicine, and I work at the Mayo Clinic, where we have a CEO who's a physician and a practicing physician. And it's always been my experience that if the boss does the work of the everyday people, they better understand what life is like. And that's why we have such a great CEO. And I would say if we get somebody in Newington who's a CEO, man or woman, who understands the work of ham radio and, the, and, and does ham radio activities, then the future will be bright. So I'm hopeful, Dan, that we can get a CEO who will embrace contesting, who will understand its impact on ham radio, just as we have a wonderful impact from MCOM work and emergency services, weather spotting, satellites, youth promotion, and who will do all he or she can to put resources in to grow contesting, to help groups like what Neil is working with at K9SOU and many other school clubs, as well as like the National Amateur Radio Society who have brought in over 200 new members into ham radio in the last couple of years, who will understand how to grow ham radio and, and who understands the pivotal role that contesting plays and pushing manufacturers to make better radios. Contesters like to believe they drive the R&D of ham radio, HF equipment. It's probably true. Contesters and DXers do. That doesn't mean the radios are not important to the casual ham. They're very important. But if we can make contesting better, we make all of HF ham and VHF ham radio better. So I'm really hopeful that uh, we can turn a page and we can get a CEO in who will embrace contesting and try contesting and get on the air and let us all work him or her a little bit. You know, it was always exciting to work K1ZZ in the contest. And, uh, you know, I'm sure Dave felt like a celebrity having so many people call him. And I think a new CEO would find it just as fun. So thank you for that question. Thank you, Scott. Thank you so much for calling in. All right. Well, Scott, I think we're we're about out of time tonight, but uh any any final thoughts here before we go? Neil, I just want to congratulate you on your uh, show. I remember we did the first show together, I believe. Now you're yeah. on episode 197, soon to make 200. Uh congratulations and uh also congratulations to you and your school club for continuing to do so well in school club roundup. Uh you're really uh, doing an excellent job. If I could just leave one thought with your listeners about contesting, it's this. You don't have to be a superstar to contest. Most of the contacts during contests are made by casual operators working others. And if you can only get on for an hour or two and make 25 contacts, that helps all of us. And it also helps you because you get better trained for using your radio for any emergency situation. So, if you need help figuring out which contest to try, give us drop an email to us at NCJ. We will try to find someone in your region to help you get set up and get going. And um, let us also know what kind of content you want. 
to hear to read about so that we can continue to meet your needs to grow your radio sports skills. Neil, thanks again, and uh, it's nice to be on in 2020 with you. And uh, I'll, uh, that's all I have to say. I won't, I won't, I won't wrap it up at all. <laughs> well, Scott, thank you so much for coming on uh, once again and sharing with us about uh, the National Contest Journal and a lot of these uh, big changes that are coming up. And uh, hope that, um, that things continue to expand and grow. And uh, and we'll look forward to seeing it all happen and kind of kicking off this summer. And we wish you the best with the Youth on the Air event. That's an exciting thing, too. Thanks again, Neil. All right. Thank you very much, Scott. Well, yeah, uh, speaking of Youth on the Air, we have a matching fun drive going on right now for the Youth on the Air camp um, through the end of February. And um, we sent out some announcements on that today and was on Ham Nation last night talking about that. So if you donate at youthontheair.org, uh, between now and the end of February, your donation is matched dollar for dollar up to uh, $4,000, uh, thanks to our uh, our generous donor, Steve. So um, make sure you, you consider that as a, as a possibility to, to uh, help young people learn all about ham radio, including contesting. There'll be a lot of contesting things there uh, at the camp. So that's going to finish it up for this week. Uh, that is a wrap for this week's Ham Talk Live. Thanks to Dr. Scott Wright, K0MD, and everybody out there in cyberspace for listening and calling in and invite you back next Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, we hope to bring you Riley Hollingsworth, K4ZDH, uh, to talk about the ARRL Volunteer Monitor Program next week. So, uh, Hopefully that will work into his schedule. So that's our plan. And for a list of all of our upcoming guests, just go over to hamtalklive.com. And if you like the show, please leave us a review. That's uh, that's a real big help if you will do that. So uh, please leave us a review wherever you listen. That helps others find us faster. So for now, this is Neil Rapp, WB9VPG, saying 73 Seven five, and may the good DX be yours.